Welcome to Testimony Time, a periodic podcast from GMC. Every so often at GMC during our worship, we hear from one of our church family about faith, their Christian faith, how it came about, what difference Jesus makes in their life, and their hopes for the future. We pull a few of these together and issue a podcast as and when we can. Today, we first hear from Richard Harrison, recorded back on the 1st of May 2022, one of our praise team. Richard is also clerk to the GMC leadership team. Enjoy what we hear from Richard as Pastor Mike Weaver asks the questions. Richard Harrison, um, I mentioned last week that we would do, you're all good to go I think now Richard, well, we would introduce on, on Sundays this uh, thing called Testimony Time, uh, where we'd hear people's humble stories, the place for our humble stories. I think it's really important that as a church uh, we get to know one another, and we do, uh, maybe in the week you've got friends who you meet for coffee or have a chat, you uh, speak to people before and after the service, but it's even more important that we hear from people who maybe you don't always hear from. Now, Richard, we did hear from a while back when Richard became a member of the church. I asked him to tell us uh, a little more, a little about his journey. Uh, but I want to start with Richard. We've heard from him before. There'll be others, and one day it could be you. <laughs> You've been warned. You've been warned. Uh, so, Richard Harrison, welcome. You've been uh, part of our church now, I think, since, I can't remember the year, but you came along to a carol concert. You were invited by Fiona. Yeah, so Fiona, Shel- Fiona Shelfer first invited me to come to the church. Um, she taught, she teaches my daughter Lucy to sing, and um, I think she recommended the church because there was offerings for young people and just the kind of um, an environment that she thought would be you know, nice for our family. Yeah. So, how did you come to faith in Jesus Christ? Okay, so possibly a little slower than many people. Um, So, I wasn't converted until I was in my 30s. Um, Quite a long process. I actually thought back on it this morning. Um, I didn't come, I didn't grow up in a Christian family. Um, My family were very respectful of the church. We always went on Christmas Day, but they they're not believers. Um, my father has, has scientific training and considered himself quite a rational family. I asked my father, why didn't we go to church? He said it was a club that we didn't need to belong to. That's how he saw it. Um, but there were seeds sown, um, you know, Christmas Day, at least one day of the year. And back then in school, we actually taught scripture. There was actually a small bit of the curriculum called scripture. And I remember you used to kind of answer questions I think he had a small bible passage it was from the gospels and I can't quite remember which of them but I remember actually reading it to myself and thinking on it then Uh, that was the beginning of it so it's a lot more to say Um, I had to go through a number of stages in my life really before I seriously looked at faith I had to get to the point where I started to make my own choices that was in my late 20s I started to look at other people for role models Um, I had to become a parent before I really understood what it was meant to sacrifice yourself for someone else. Um, and I had to become awareness, aware that I wasn't as good as I thought I was. Um, so a lot of people, I don't know, I had trouble seeing where I fell down, where I was 
week. Um, for me, it was pride. It took a long time to see my own pride. I had to read Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis to point me to that. Um, and then I read the Gospels. I actually learned about Jesus the person. And I actually began to appreciate what power he has, has as a person. Uh, the story of him being in the boat with his disciples and him having mastery over the elements, that really struck me a lot. But what I really enjoyed was how perfectly he would engage with people, how he would say very little, but so perfectly. So, and the last part of it really was to actually understand, that, well, a couple more things. Firstly, to accept that the world was created. So I went through a very rational process for that to happen. And, and finally, to actually accept that the resurrection was a real thing. And I read a book called Lee, by a guy called Lee Strobel called The Case for Christ. We interviewed lots of people about that. So all those things fell together and brought me to faith. But I can't point to any bright light or anything. I'm just a very logical person. I need to go through that process. And so since it, it sounds like a process, and I think it is for lots of people, but... During that time and since then, what difference has Jesus made in your life? Well, the first difference is that I understood, I um, learned about prayer and the power of prayer. Um, I experienced prayers being answered. Um, I could tell you stories about that, but they take too long. But I prayed for things and then I had very real experiences that, to me, said that prayer was answered. Um... I was able to overcome addictions in my life that I credit to um, Christ, helped me with those addictions. And um, it put color in my life as well. I appreciate, I think, many more things I wouldn't appreciate in the same way. I think I've got a greater love for people. I'm someone who actually doesn't actually, I think I find it a bit hard to love people, and Christ has helped me a lot to love other people. And so looking forward, future, what are your hopes for your future walk with Christ, for your church, for yourself, for your family, for, for, for whatever? I'm a little bit focused on myself, really. i just concentrating on being an ambassador for him. Um, so um, I've always worked. I've always been out there in the world of work. Um, somehow I've found myself in authority, in leadership within my business, um, and, you know, I have influence. People listen to what I say. Um, I just, the passage that is very meaningful to me is in 1 Peter 3.15, I think it says, where you should always um, try and give a good reason for the hope that you have, but do so with gentleness. Mm. Um, that is very meaningful to me because I'm often in a position where, you know, people are looking to me. It's no, it's, no, it's no coincidence that I was the first person to come forward for this. That is often what happens in groups where I'm in. I just can't keep my mouth shut. Hand goes up and I just speak. Well, that, that's kind of a gifting for me. I just can't restrain myself, so it's how I use that. Um, many times I... You can do it in a small way. For example, I went to the shop this morning. The guy asked me, what are you doing? And I said, I'm going to church. You know, sometimes you would hesitate to say that, but it's little things like that. I mean, my long process of conversion happened because other people showed me it was possible. 
So that's all I'm trying to do. Show people that you can live a normal life, yet still have Christ in it. Thank you, Richard. Uh, can I just pray for you? Father, thank you for Richard's uh, words here with us this morning. Thank you, Jesus, for coming into his life, for, for going on that journey and continuing. Father, we pray for the, for the household, for Richard, for Emma, for Robert and for Lucy. We lift them to you, ask your blessing and protection on them as a family, and we thank you for their presence with us. Be with us all this day, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Richard. Thank you. Now to a recording from Sunday Worship on the 22nd of May with one of the elders at GMC, Lorna Cook, who has journeyed with God in the ups and downs of life. A prayer warrior among us, a valued member of the leadership team and a woman with a heart for our young folk. Hear a little of Lorna's Christian faith story with Mike again posing the questions. Lorna, yeah, it is you, Lorna. No, here. This bit, this bit, grab the microphone, press the button, check you're on. Am I on? Yeah. Yeah, oh, even brought notes. <laughs> oh, notes. Well, that's in case I forget. Can you forget your own testimony? <laughs> testimony time. Um, a few weeks ago, uh, Richard uh, came up here and shared uh, some of his faith, and I said each, every so often, every few weeks or so, we'd uh, grab... Uh, someone different, and one day it might be you. <laughs> one day. Uh, but Lorna's not only leading us in prayer, she's going to share a little bit of a story. So Lorna, how did you come to faith in Jesus Christ? I actually found this question really hard, because he gives us the questions beforehand, so we know, and we can have a wee see of how we're going to answer it. For me personally, I have never not had a faith. Yeah. I've always believed in God never doubted his existence. My problem was with me, that I felt that God would not love me, that God did not see me, that I wasn't worth anything. And, and that was always what I, I struggled with um, throughout my life. I was brought up in church. My dad was a Sunday school teacher. Um, my aunt was a Sunday school superintendent. I've always been surrounded by his love, but I always felt it wasn't for me, it was for other people. Um, the story in the Bible, you'll all know it, of the, the bleeding woman who would reach out in the crowd and try and touch Jesus' cloak, that has always been, for me, my story. I am the one that would hide in the shadows because I thought Jesus wasn't interested in me and I had nothing to offer. So trying to figure out when that changed was quite interesting because I had to think about it and I've had time to think about it the last week and a bit because I've had COVID. I'm fine now by the way, you're okay. <laughs> um, and it came through Gillespie and it came through the Freedom in Christ course which we did in about 2005. Right. Uh, and it was through that course that I came to start to understand that I was loved, that I was accepted, that I did have gifts to offer and ironically when I looked back in it 2005 for me was the lowest point in my life I had 
had lots of ups and downs, and I'd come back to the church. Um, I'd come to Gillespie through my aunt and uncle. And you've heard this before, that when I first came to Gillespie, I sat up the back of the church. And it took me about six months to slowly move down to the front of the church and sit with my aunt and uncle, because for the first few months, they didn't even know I was here, because I sat and hid up the back. and took a long time to come down. So I'd had lots of comings and goings. I had my son um, in 98. And for a while, I felt that my son had saved me. But that had slipped again. And by the time it got to 2005, I had managed to convince myself that I was done. I was of no use to anybody else, not even my son. um, And that there was no reason for me to be here. And that I would be better gone. And I had actually planned how I was going to go. And it was at that time that this course came along. And without me realizing it, which is the beauty of God, instead of looking down this path that I had already set for myself, I had a timeline and I knew when and where and how. That path just seemed to disappear. And before I knew it, I was being pushed, not pushed, but just gently nudged onto another one. Now, it's not an instant, you know, road of Damascus, you know, you're saved, Lorna. It has taken many, many years to make me take hold of these truths that we learned in the course and to go back to them. We, got, we used to get little postcards and it was reminders from the Bible of specific phrases to say that you are love, you are worthy, true. Um, and I would have to continuously read them. Um, and obviously I had cried quite a lot over them because they all got dog-eared at the edges. And I still have them and use them as bookmarks which is what I love, because when I open a book, it will fall out, and it's always this lovely sort of reminder. So that's probably where I started to come to faith, and it's built from there. So kind of the next question, what difference has Jesus made to your life since that time? It's, it, as you say, it's not that Damascus Road, it's not Paul, it's not, a, it's not a, a, a definable date and time, or even week or month, it's it's thing. But since that time, since you've that course, what difference has Jesus made in your life? Um, massive, um, because as I say, through the course, it was just that, it was almost like turning on a tap, so it was like a little drip to begin with, to say, oh, maybe, maybe I can do something, maybe, you know, I might be able to offer something at the church, and she's not here today, but it was a Katrina Fett that first started it by asking me to come and do Focus, which is with the teenagers. Yeah. Um, And I warned her and said, oh, you don't want the teenagers hearing any of my stories. They will run for the hills because I have no filter. Um, And that's very true. And so they put me in with Richard Nesbitt. For those that know Richard Nesbitt. He has no filter He has no filter. So after the first (laughs) session, I thought, ooh, you can really tell them anything. Obviously, you know, not brutally honest. And you have to fudge some things. Well, not fudge, but you know. (laughs) Polish them up a bit, <laughs> so not to traumatise them. But I found being with him and being with the teenagers, it was, it was great. It was the way that they would talk to you and they would share, and they wanted to hear what you had to say. And the fact that Richard and I <laughs> were so brutally honest with them, they seemed to really engage with that. So getting started with that, then the minister at the time started to speak to me and um, found out that I had a background in, in, in drama and 
like writing and stuff. So uh, it was then on to doing children's addresses, doing uh, sketches, um, and then it led on to helping out with nativity and then running nativity, and then being involved um, in Growing Young, which we are still part of, and I love yeah. that and have such a passion for that. Um, and when we talk about Growing Young, I'm always the one that says we are not talking about children. We are talking about 15 to 29-year-olds. And for me, my passion is the late teens and the 20s. There is this sort of lost generation just crying out for this wonderful love that we have. And we, you know, we should be out there sharing it with them. Sorry, went off on a tangent. Um, and then uh, becoming an elder, which, you know, if someone had told me that even two, three years ago, well, four years ago, I'd have been like, don't be ridiculous. You don't want someone like me as an elder. But going away, praying about it, talking with God and realizing, well, yes, I do want you here. Yes, I do want you to speak up. I want you to come out the shadows and not be scared to speak, even when you realize that what you're saying might not be the same as everyone else. Because mm -hmm. I was very much a people pleaser. Um, I, I would be in relationships where I would change myself to um, appease that person, um, to keep that person calm, to say what they wanted to hear. And it, that, that was years of um, indoctrination. Indoct Is that the word, Vivian? Indoctrination. <laughs> um, so to come out of that thinking was very hard. Um, but yeah, being an elder and being now on the leadership team as well. But for me, the, the best thing and the greatest thing is, um, is the praying, is being on, coming on a Thursday, sitting at the prayer group with Emma, actually praying out loud with other people, not worrying what I'm saying because I'm not there to impress anybody. I'm merely talking to my, my God, my Father. Um, and I just find it so comforting and then being asked to come and do prayers on a Sunday morning, which, again, I would have never thought, that's not me. Get me in the praise band, try to sing. That's fine, but not up here doing a prayer. But absolutely love it. Good. So what, and, and that journey has been great, and I, I'm so happy to be part of it and to ordain you when I did into the eldership, and it was great. What are your hopes for your future walk with Christ? Um that he will continue, and I know he's going to because he's actually doing it right now, to continue to surprise me and astonish me with what he wants me to do. This, the date of my testimony got changed, and I think he changed it because I left my work on Friday. Now, I have been at my work for 24 years, and it's a job that I have done to pay the bills, to get my son through school and through college. It wasn't a job for me. I did enjoy it, but it wasn't my job. And in the last two months, I have been offered another position, which is too good not to take, and it's just been one open door after another, and I start that on Monday. Um, so I'm very nervous, but I'm very excited. But again, even just last year, uh, when I was ill, through my work, I would have never imagined I'd be starting a new job on Monday. So yeah, I am just... Super excited to see what he has. I, it blows me away how much I actually trust him. And when he says things to me like, no, I'm making you feel this way about something because it's not right. And I want you to say it's not right. 
And even just a few years ago, I wouldn't have done that, whereas now I'm like, oh, I've thought about this, but I don't agree with what's been said here, especially things like with eldership. And everyone's going, oh, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, well, I don't actually think, you know, could we maybe do this? Or even, Fiona's nodding, even the leadership team sitting there, and I'm going, I don't think I should be here. I've got nothing to offer. But then there was other things that came along. So, yeah, it's, I am in his hands, and it's just a fantastic journey to be in whatever comes he will always be there, and I know that. And yes, I still get the voices saying to me, you know, at times that you are worthless, you know, what are you saying, it's stupid. But they don't roar anymore, they just whisper. And I can just bat them away because I know they're lies, because the other voice that's in my head going, no, you are loved, you are mine, I treasure you, and you are here and you have something to offer. That rings louder than any of the other nonsense that goes on there. Can I pray for you? Let's pray. Father, thank you for Lorna's testimony, for her honesty, for the journey, and for the parts of what Lorna shared with us today that might chime, might ring in our own hearts. Father, we know each of us is so individual and known by you, and I thank you that that is the case. But I, Father, I thank you for Lorna, for her testimony, for this work that you are doing in her, still doing in her, and her leading and her example, and her love for you, and her work in our church. Father, bless her, bless Connor, bless Kenny, and the, and Auntie Margaret, of course, who has been such an influence in Lorna's life. And so, Father, I just lift her to you, and I thank her for her prayers this morning. To close out this Testimony Time podcast, Pastor Mike talks to Tom Cram, an American football coach to young people and a man with a big heart for the Lord. Mike and Tom go back before their days at GMC together, and it's great to just hear a little of Tom's story. Enjoy. Tom, welcome. Microphone. Hello. He's on. Testimony time. Uh, I love this bit. It's really good. We've had a few people give testimony. Who's the last? Is that you, Lorna? It was you. Uh, it's a time to share faith, to hear a little bit um, about one of our congregation, uh, and you might get to know them a little bit more, and uh, we'll hear about their walk with Jesus. Tom, I've primed you with the questions, <laughs> the usual three questions. How did you come to faith in Jesus Christ, brother? Um, aware that I've only got a 10 minute maximum and I've been threatened. <coughs> and he likes to speak. <laughs> I do like to speak. Um, it's complicated. Um, it's partially Judith's fault, but um, I grew up in a non Christian home. I had no Christian input at all. Um, I had to be a group of kids. We were kicked off the church, the local church green. At, 10 o'clock on a Sunday morning because why? Because there's a church service going on and you're screaming and shouting and probably swearing <clears throat> as we were. My parents were good people. They both had been brought up in posh schools. Um, my dad went to rugby in Cambridge. I still have his Greek and Latin testaments so I know he knew the gospel. But they were, my father was an atheist. My mother was, he still is, still with us and is this kind of a weird elephant-loving agnostic with Catholic guilt 
without ever being a Catholic. So it was a really interesting kind of spiritual background, but we never, the only time I went in church was when we were at the school and we did Harvest Festival and the Christmas service, but we still had, every morning, <clears throat> we would still have a Christian form of worship. We have a thousand children trying to find rude words when they sing a hymn. Um, I met Judith in a rock club. So God literally went and found me in a heavy rock club. That's where I met her. She was, she was dating a friend of a friend who was not a Christian. She was. He wasn't. And that was such a wonderful experience. She swore she'd never date a non-Christian ever again. So when they split up, my memory is I ran halfway to her flat when I heard because I really, really liked her. But she wouldn't date me because I wasn't a Christian. Um, and this was a challenge to a young, I just didn't care about God. God, just leave me alone. I just want to party. I want to have fun. I like to drink. I liked to, to go to rock clubs. Um, you know, I wasn't a bad lad. I just didn't want God to get involved because, in my view, God was going to limit what I wanted to do. So it was probably right. <clears throat> so I met this wonderful girl. We liked each other, but she wouldn't date me. I'm not going out with you. doesn't matter what I feel about you. We're not going out with each other. So I went and talked to my very, very best friend, Pete, who's still my best friend. Um, and I told him the story. And I'll never forget the look he gave me, which was kind of hair on the back of the neck thing. And he said, Tom, I became a Christian six months ago, but I hadn't told you because I knew you didn't like that sort of thing. Talk about God waiting for you, waiting for the right moment, preparing the ground. Um, <clears throat> so he took me to church, and that's where my walk started. I can point to a moment the first time I heard from God. I literally can point to a moment. I used to live close to a ruined chapel in Newcastle. Uh, it's still there, and I would go there when I had to think about stuff, when I was upset, when I had stuff. And I would go there middle of the night, half past one in the morning, as a teenager, which gives you an idea of how, how, how lack of control there was in my house. And God met me there. I really was wanting to know, what, how does this work out? I don't believe in all of this nonsense. It's crazy. And God just literally, I can't describe any other than, the, than heaven opened in front of me, and God said to me, will you accept that it's possible? Will you accept that it's possible? Yeah. Then if it's possible, why don't you find out about it? And that was how my walk started. And so, and, uh, since yeah. he asked you, will you listen and find out whether it's possible? What is possible? What's, what difference has Jesus made in your life since then, that time, that long, long time? <laughs> Working, it's, it's actually 40 years this year. I've been a Christian 40 years now, which is terrifying. Um, everything. Um, I look at where I was then, I look where I am, not, where I am now, where I am who I'm living with, my daughter, my job, everything I have is because of God. Everything. Um, a few years ago, <clears throat> I'm not going to do details about it here, but I turned away from God. I turned away from everything. I walked away from God, walked away from everything in my life um, just because I felt the right thing to do. I have a big thing about feelings, about how feelings, human feelings often lead us to believe things are not the way they really are. The Bible is the truth. God's word is his word. And I made a choice to say, I'm done with this. I can't do this. And therefore, everything I'm doing 
can't be done. So I walked away from that. And God, another time that God has spoken to me, said, son, I love you, but I cannot bless you where you are. So where does everything you... So if you're blessed, what are you being blessed with? Who is it being blessed by? And that was a challenge. And my wife, my family, my church, a lot of, very lot of people gave me a huge forgiveness. And I was able to come back. And particularly since then, very much everything I've now done is I re, I'm daily aware of the blessing I have from God. Because nothing I have comes from anything other than his grace and his glory. And I try to live that way. Poorly and... And, but a little, a lot more humble. The, the humble is not a word that I would often use to describe myself. But I am humbled before God because he gave me back everything I tried to throw away. So everything I have, being here, meeting you in a committee, and you asking me, Mike asked me, do you know any good churches in Dunfermline? Well, I am to live in a parish that's looking for a minister. So Mike actually asked me about you before before he came here. That's why I was sitting with Emma. My hand still hurts, Emma. <laughs> I say Emma was a bit tense when Mike came to speak. <laughs> Crushed my hand. But even being here at this church this morning is because God has led me to this point and has challenged me to be part of the solution, not part of the problem. Yeah. And so what, speaking of the solution, what are your hopes for, for your future walk with Christ? Not kind of global hopes, but your, for your walk? I, my calling verse, when I went to Bible college, um, God spoke to me again the night my father died. And again, half past two in the morning, walking in the local park. And I met someone. Never met them again. Don't know who they were. And they just talked to me. <clears throat> but I fell to my knees in the middle of a park, two or half past two in the morning. <clears throat> and God did two things. First, he told me that, You've lost your father on earth, but I am your Abba. I am your father in heaven. I'm your daddy in heaven. And that was powerful. I have finally understood what the relationship was between me and the father. It was a very intellectual faith I had before that. And the second thing, I was called into full-time ministry very soon. I felt very strongly that I was called into full-time ministry, getting away from retail and the stuff I'd been doing. And <clears throat> my issue with God then was... The words of Isaiah, who sh God says, who shall go, who shall I send? I will go, Lord, but I am a man of unclean lips. And God said, I'll sort that out, I'll deal with that. Um, yeah. And uh, <clears throat> when I went to Bible college and after that, the, my vision for myself and the church is Acts 2, 42 to 47. We need to be an Acts 2 church, a church that, is, that serves its community, but serves itself it, does so well that everyone goes, we want to be part of what that church is. They look after themselves. They take care of each other. They love each other. They take care of each other. We want to know more. And my vision for, them, for myself and the church, myself is to be part of a church, a church community that is so renowned for the way it cares for itself and its community that people want to come to the church because that's how the first church grew. Before they started arguing about food, and it was really interesting you had that in your... In your, in, your, in your note pastoral letter. If you haven't read it, pick one up. <laughs> Spoiler. But that idea that the church was so well-renowned that people wanted to be part of it because it recognized that it cared for people. And so it's not just caring for people behind the church walls, it's caring for people in the community, being seen to care. 
visiting people in prison, taking care of widows and orphans. And we do a great job of that in our church community, and we shouldn't be ashamed of that, because in Acts, that's how people saw what the church was about. And that's what makes an influence outside, people caring for people, because we live in an uncaring world with uncaring people. And I know from my personal experience, the challenge to me is to keep my heart open, because the world is a really nasty place, and it's easy to armor ourselves and hide ourselves away. And, and that's the challenge for me mm. and for Judith. And both of us work in, 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 in charities and ministries where we take care. I work with young people. Judith works with people needing counseling and so on. And the challenge is how do we work? How do we feed ourselves? How do we lift ourselves up? Because we're giving out all of the time. And the temptation is to say, I want to go on holiday for about a year. But I had a holiday for a year. And I sat on my behind with furlough payments. And you know what? After about six weeks, I hated every moment of it. God, feed me, lift me up, but help me reflect God back to the people that I meet every day. And that's what I want me to do, and I want to be part of a community that does that. Amen for that. Thank you, Tom. Uh, and I want to thank the Lord for bringing... Tom mentioned it there. We, we met... Uh, uh, as members of a committee of Young Life International in Edinburgh and Lothians, um, way before I came here, uh, while I was doing training. So I'd known Tom, and I, I hadn't met Judith, hadn't met his wife, just knew Tom through uh, coming together there, and Tom uh, has been prayerful in my life, and who would have guessed I would end up in a church in Dunfermline, and Tom and Judith would be part, of, valued part of our church community. Uh, God makes connections. He's doing it all the time, and I bless him for it. I bless you, Tom. I bless Judith and Becca, and I thank you for you. Um, let me pray. Father God, thank you for those words for Tom. May we echo them in our own hearts. That would be a loving, serving community, glorifying you, honoring your word, serving one another and our community. Thank you for Tom. Thank you for Judith and daughter Becca. Bless them richly, I pray, in their ministries, in their life. And thank you for them, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Tom. Thanks for listening to these stories, the testimony of God's people. They're people just like you and me. People who know God through all life throws at them. They know they serve a God who is faithful, trustworthy, and can be known personally. We pray that these testimonies have touched your heart and been an encouragement to you. This podcast has been a production of GMC, Gillespie Memorial Church in Dunfermline, Scotland. We're a church who loves the Lord and seeks to serve Him where we are. If you'd like to know more, visit our website, gillespiechurch.org, or find us on Facebook and YouTube. You can contact our office or through our contact us page on our website. Copyright remains with the producers and this episode was edited by Mike Weaver. Thanks for listening. God bless.